Hello, simpletons. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Minimalist Private Podcast. Today, we're talking about all of the annoyances. (laughs) We're annoyed by annoyances. We got a bunch (sighs) of your surprise questions. Shout out to everyone listening and watching in the live chat as well. Feel free to leave your comments, questions, concerns, smart-ass remarks. (laughs) So seeing the annoyances in your note about um, L.A., um, it made me think about the surprise we had <laughs> at the end of the show in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll talk about that in yeah. a second here. Actually, we, let's go and talk about it now. So we, um, before we get into more about less, we, um, we just finished up this part of the tour. In fact, by the time this episode comes out, so if you're not watching a live stream, the, nor- the U.S. portion of the Love People Use Things tour is over. If you're watching the live stream, we still have three more events. Minneapolis, Chicago, Columbus. And we were just in Seattle and San Francisco and Los Angeles this past week with three amazing tour stops. I mean, San Francisco was especially magical with, I mean, I never thought I'd be able to say this, but Matt Nathanson opened up for us. Mm, I know. Isn't that wild? We don't even play any instruments, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what how lucky are we to like be able to reach out to some of our favorite musicians in the world. In the world and ask them to open up for us. And they're like, Yeah, we'd love to. Yeah, it's it's uh I gotta pinch myself sometimes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm with you, man. And uh he actually joined us for the San Francisco podcast mm-hmm. as well. And um he the, I remember the first time I saw him at a at a show. He, he plays. He's so talented. Great stage presence. Very talented musician. Great mm-hmm. voice. But I will tell you this: he's probably my favorite writer, songwriter of his generation, of our generation. Mm-hmm. He just has the ability to translate one simple line into an entire universe, man, mm-hmm. or capture an entire universe with one simple, beautiful line and then he sings it really well with a great melody and and great instrumentation and mm-hmm. and and yet when i first saw him the first time i saw him live i felt like i was at a stand-up comedy show he's great you know sometimes musicians oh. when they go play songs they talk between the songs and you're like hey can you shut up and just go and play the next song now like you're clearly <laughs> nervous and this is awkward and this isn't good for either one of us we love your music but whatever you're doing right now is ruining the show yeah and then there are other musicians where they talk between songs and it's fine. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you a little story about this or whatever. That's most of it. But with Matt Nathanson, it's like, oh, he does stand-up comedy between beautiful songs. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, he's great. I uh, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, um, I hope to be as funny as Matt Nathanson one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, we know we will never be as musically talented. And uh, I love when he was he was opening the show playing these songs and he was playing some lesser known of his beautiful songs mm-hmm. and he goes, all right, let's listen to this one. And he plays Come On, Get Higher, which is like mm-hmm. his major hit. And I, in fact, when I brought him out onto the podcast, the live we did a live version of the podcast there, uh, I introduced him as, uh, you, you'll recognize this person from every time you've ever visited Whole Foods. <laughs> And because like that's he has a couple songs, but especially that that one, "Come On, Get Higher," which yeah. is like, oh yeah, we've all heard this song a million times. But here, it's one of those rare, like, beautiful pop songs that actually has great lyrics too, and and so he does such a great job with uh, with his music. He he became a overnight success fifteen years into his career. That's that's unbelievable. 
that one. So we haven't even been doing the minimals for 15 years. Mm-hmm. But imagine, so that one hit song that came out in 2007, that was mm-hmm. 15 years after his first album came out in 1992. Unbelievable, man. Wow. And so he's been doing music ever since. You know, it's been 30 years now he's been doing music. And I got to tell you, man, if you're listening to this and you're looking for the, an entry point, any of his songs, you just go to like Apple or Spotify and look at his top 100 songs or 50 songs or whatever. But there's a song that he played that night. Bill Murray mm. is the name of the song. Yeah. And I remember the first time I heard it, it was when Bex and I, we had just been dating for not that long. And like we knew there was something special here. And that song came on. We were listening to that album. And it was a new album at the time. And I look over and she's just bawling, right? There's like mm. tears on her shirt. And, and because it's about like, finding that person who knows you best Mm. and you know everything else is just noise basically and it's about this dream that he had about bill murray being there giving him advice Mm. in this song and it's this beautiful piano that's playing what a stunning song in fact if i remember podcast sean let's end this episode today with bill murray but um, that tour, we so we were 20 tour stops total. We're still going to do uh, Canada. In fact, we might even expand the Canadian wave Ooh. by, um, we'll just call it a Canadian tour now. We need to go to PEI. <laughs> I, I don't know that we can justify going to PEI. There's like seven people who live there. Yeah, but at least one of them will show up. <laughs> yeah. But um, we uh, will probably add uh, Montreal and Calgary if there's availability. That would be awesome. We'll, yeah. be, we'll be close to Banff. Yeah, yeah, Calgary is really close to Banff. Yeah. Ooh. And so um we're but we're definitely doing we had to move Toronto. We had to move Vancouver because of some um COVID travel restrictions. Everyone should have gotten a, a um some sort of email about mm-hmm. that. Apolog- apologies as well um from us, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was outside of our control. We wanted to be in Toronto and Vancouver already. Mm-hmm. But uh but this might be the best for everyone. This might mean, hey, now we get to go to a couple more Canadian cities and do a whole Canadian tour for Love People Use Things in October. So it's going to be a while away still, but you can find all the details. That also means that these events will sell out because, well, we've already sold a bunch of tickets for both of those. So theminimalists.com slash tour if you're interested. Or if you are a true fan or a VIP on Patreon, that's the top two tiers we have. Every month we release a live event over there. So we are just putting out like the Orlando event, Nashville, Atlanta, all, all of these other events that we've already done. And so mm-hmm. every month, true fans of VIPs get a brand new live event. Yeah. And uh, it's a whole live podcast. If we had a guest like Matt Nathanson, you'll be able to experience that. Or I think my personal favorite tour stop of all time was New York City. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, between TK and and Seth Godin, like that was that was a magical event for sure. Oh, that, unbelievable. Got, like I just couldn't believe how how much emotional depth was in that. Like that was, uh, you know, we went somewhere that I did not expect to go. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Anyway, Ryan, we should probably dive into some more about less. <laughs> yep. All right. So we won't we won't tell them about what happened in L.A. Oh, what happened in L.A.? Well, no, just about how, you know, you and I being as, you know, open hearted 
and as giving as we possibly can whenever we can. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had someone who she might be listening to this right now, which is okay. Uh, we had someone um, who DM'd us, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Hey, it would mean the world to me if I can meet you after your show." Yeah, she's like, I, I grew up in Mexico. You guys changed the uh, the way that I think about the American dream. My whole mm. family told me we moved to America to pursue the American dream. And mm-hmm. I realized how it was nonsense after listening to you guys. So yeah. um, can I just like say hi after yeah. the show? And generally, it's like, yeah, we do hug lines afterwards. So yeah, just stand in the hug line. We'll say hi to you. But this tour is the first tour we haven't been able to sort of stick around and do hug lines after the events. Yeah. And, yeah. But we, we've done this a couple other times. Don't start getting a whole bunch of ideas here. because right. Well, because this actually now changes how we approach this moving forward. Yeah. 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 Which is unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we in our infinite wisdom were like, yes, let's go ahead and we'll meet you after the show. Thanks for the support. And we, I truly mean that. Yeah. And I'm very grateful we did what we did. Yeah. But... <laughs> we did it. We did it in uh, one other city too. We did it in New York with Noah. That's right. Yeah, he, he was like this high school kid who drove out from Pennsylvania. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but when this person came back to the green room, they brought like twelve people with them, <laughs> <laughs> and they were all awesome people. All awesome people. I'm very grateful that we. Uh, even have an opportunity to have 12 people that are that interested in meeting us. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was like, I was just like, man, like what an unfortunate circumstance because now we're going to have to change moving forward. Like we're, we're, we're changing how we approach people who ask that. Yeah. And uh, maybe we a, won't even do it anymore. What's that? Turned it into a minimalist super spreader event. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden there's this mini super spreader event. I mean, it was, um, yeah. And, and I, I, uh, yeah, I just bring that up because, you know, if 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 someone offers you something, don't take advantage of them. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just uh just be grateful for what, you know, that that what what they have offered you. But um yeah, I just really felt uh I felt grateful to have again like that many people even in, that interested in talking to us and meeting us and giving us a hug. Um but there was something about it I just like felt I just felt a little taken advantage of. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't, but I um I can understand why why you'd feel that way. Yeah. Well, help me get past it. Oh, I don't know mm-hmm. how to get past it. I don't know why you feel taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. I, I I understand. I understand what because here I remember I did a I don't do this and here's why I don't do it. Although we'll do it for the VIPs, in fact. So we we added something for our VIP patrons mm-hmm. where you can get one video from us a month. All you have to do is DM us on Patreon, tell us what you're looking for. And we'll give you whatever we can give you. Heck yeah. Someone just sl- slid something under the door there. <laughs> Even though it says do not disturb, they're like, ah, it's okay. That's awesome. Um, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because we don't want to do like cameo and charge people for, right. but like also I can't do 10,000 videos a year. Right. Yeah. And so we only have 250 VIPs. I think there are still a few slots. I don't know. Sometimes it fills up and then sometimes some people leave. Mm-hmm. But um, that VIP tier is like, how can we make this extra yeah. special? Right. And so we'll do a video. If you DM us, we will. As soon as we get a chance, we'll we'll make a, a quick video. Maybe it's a happy birthday for your brother or for you or for a video for your significant other, whatever it is. Yeah. And um, although I've had this time in the past where I, people used to reach out like via like Instagram DMs or Twitter or whatever and say, hey, can you make this video? And I would do it. And I had this person like, oh, can you redo it and say this next time? 
I'm like, yeah, block. Right, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So this is this is um how I felt with uh. Well, let me give you another example. Um, I had I forget how I had uh, someone owed me money and they paid me via Cash App. So I had like fifty bucks or something in my Cash App. Maybe it was hundred bucks. And I sent out a tweet and I said, "Hey, uh, if you know if you want me to buy you a cup of coffee, give me your Cash App handle. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Like I, I I'll be happy to, you know, contribute how I can." I cannot tell you how many people were like, oh, could you send me 500 bucks? Oh, uh, wow. could you send me? Yeah. Can you send me? Um, You know what? I, I just got this uh, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Can you go ahead and send me um $87? And it's like, and, and uh, not taking, taking advantage of is probably the wrong word, but it's like, I don't know how to describe it, but it definitely kind of put well, me off. Like, I, oh, I'm never going to do this again. I think some of that is just a lack of life experience, maturity, and EI. You know, people with just low emotional intelligence and stuff, at, yeah. at social skills that 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 over ask. Yeah, and you know, it's I get why people would ask it. Um, I'm trying to unpack why I feel so disturbed by it. Yeah, be, I don't know why I do. It because well, because it it sometimes it ruins the the kind gesture. Hey, I'm willing to give you you know whatever it is three dollars for a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. and it's like. It, it's almost like, yeah, hey, Ryan, screw you. I don't want $3. I want $300. Yeah, if you really want to help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or I had another one where I just, something came up on my Instagram stories. They were like, oh, this person is in trouble. If you want to help them, you know, you could send them whatever uh, via, uh, I think it was PayPal. And I was like, oh, wow, I saw an opportunity to like help someone who was in need. Yeah. Send them to your PayPal. I had to block them on PayPal because they kept requesting like thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars, like just over and over and over. And I eventually just had to block them because. Oh my god! Yeah, I know, man. It's um, yeah. Again, I I should just be able to move past this, though, and we shouldn't have to take up time on the show to talk about it. I feel like I should just be able to like let it go. Yeah, yeah. But there is something that's like it just sticks with me where I'm like. What? <laughs> why <laughs> well what you're saying is that they misunderstood here's probably the thing is they're like hey look i'm getting immense value from this and yeah. so if i if i look at it with compassion and uh she had met these other people at the event and she only brought three people back the other people were peter's friends so it just looked oh. like there were more people back oh there. was it just three? Oh, yeah okay. she, she brought three other people back okay but then it felt like there were a dozen people because uh peter rollins who was at our event with us yeah i knew most of the people that he brought back yeah he he brought them back and then um and then we had our team back there you know so Alabama was there danny was there they were there with their significant others and jordan was there sean was there and, and, and then, then we irish goodbye you <laughs> yeah yeah that's right you know it's that's josh's move i can't believe they stole that from you yeah but you, you know what honestly i felt overwhelmed uh in that green room because i know how too too many people is way too many after the show for you yeah so that was also going through my head where i'm like oh my god josh is gonna have a breakdown <laughs> because of all the people in this green room right it was now. actually better for me to have that many people i don't know if you, you didn't even notice me and <laughs> alabama noticed it because i just went and sat in the corner and i was watching the whole crowd of people like this i was smiling <laughs> just sitting back there for like 10 minutes by myself nice and and there was a whole there's you know 30 people in the green room mm-hmm. and i don't know if it was that many but it was probably close mm-hmm. uh Buell was back there her husband uh her baby and so like we had all these people back there they're all like talking getting the Log. I'm just sitting back there smiling, like people ah, watching. Yeah, 
uh, watching everyone interact with each other and yeah. and you can't do that if there's only two other people in the room because yeah. then it's like I have to pay attention to you and now you and that that's what really I think sends me over the edge oh yeah and, but when there's a la- large crowd of people it's ambient people yeah. and then I can just sit back and, and sort of watch yeah but uh, going back to the compassion thing I have co- compassion for that guy her name was I think Kenya who yeah. um brought the, the folks back and I also have compassion by the no, way I, I know but like if you're asking about why can't you let it go I, yeah. I, I think part of it has to do with like if you have if you see her perspective here it'll be way easier and her perspective mm-hmm. was hey I just met these three other women here mm-hmm. while I was standing in line to ask a question they were also standing in line to ask a question mm-hmm. and I've gotten immense value from this and I could tell they have too and since I have this opportunity I I want to pay it forward. I mm. want to be able to give value to someone else because Ryan and Josh have given me so much value. Mm. Maybe I can give a morsel of that value to someone else. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I could see that. And, you know, just to clarify, like you can have compassion and love and like for someone and still be disturbed by an action that they do. Absolutely. Which I mean, it's totally okay. For sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. All right, well, let's uh, let's move into some more about less, Ryan. This article I got here, because we get so annoyed, since we're talking about annoyances, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, that was a, a surprise. In fact, we don't have, like, green, root, green, green room parties no, we at don't. our events. And Most so, of them, at least on this tour, the green rooms have been pretty small. Right. We just happen to have one that fit 20, 30 people in there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, when we were in... San Francisco just the day before we had a giant green room it was just me you and Matt Nathanson at one point oh yeah that's right yeah. and and so it doesn't it doesn't usually end up in some sort of um you know group no. discussion although before when we could and we're gonna get back to this real soon because COVID is waning it's endemic now and we all recognize that all right this is we're all gonna have to live with this at this mm. point, right? Yeah, and kind of like the flu. Has, like, have the governments recognized that it's endemic yet? I mean, <laughs> most governments around the world have. I don't know that ours has, but we'll we'll get there. And yeah. um, but it's like an illness that it's just gonna be embedded in. Yeah, the population. Now, yeah, you know? Beck had it last week, yeah. and so I may have had it. When oh, I was she had sick. it again. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I may have had it when I was sick. When I was remember I was sick for about two days. Yeah. Had a really bad fever. Oh yeah. A- mm-hmm. And. I'm like, nah, this is because it was worse than I had COVID the first time uh, or the first two times. This, yeah. is, this is, I think, the third time I've had it. Um, I know for sure I had it the first time uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then Be- Bex tested positive for it. Mm-hmm. By the time she tested positive, because she was back in Montana when she tested positive, I had developed symptoms first. I just figured it wasn't. Mm. And um, although I stayed away, I, I canceled what we had going on here just because yeah. I'm like, it's a cold. I don't want to give anyone else a cold is what I what yeah. I thought I had. Yeah. And then I thought it was a flu because I had a, I had a, a fever. It wasn't terrible, but it was a fever for a day. And then it yeah. broke after that night. And my symptoms cleared up really, really quickly. Wow. Thankfully. So you, th- you think you've had... How many variants of COVID has there been now? Three? I think I've had all three. You think you've had all three of them? Yeah. And, wow. and I get it every year, like toward the beginning of the year. Oh, to wow. 2020, 2021. Because I was with, uh, a year ago, I was with uh, Olia, our friend, mm-hmm. and her son. We were in a car together for hours and they had COVID. I didn't know. They didn't know it. She tested positive the next day. Mm. And uh, then I was sick for about a day with mm. that as well. Mm. The first time I got it, though, the OG version of COVID. <laughs> right. You're such a hipster. I, uh, I was... <laughs> I had a fever for eight days yeah. now, but it was not bad. It was just, it was a, a low grade fever for a long time. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's part of our experience now. Yeah. And, uh, 
we we're moving on beyond that. I'm saying that to say we'll get back to some normalcy now where we can do hug lines maybe at some point in the not too distant future. That would be awesome. Yeah. That's my favorite part of everything we do. Yes. The live events is like a very close second. But well, those it's really lines, a part of the live event, and it's almost as though like the live event's only ninety percent there without it. Yeah, that's true. But those hug lines, man, like being able to a you're connecting with your true fans, your 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 true VIPs, right? Like they are there to get the full experience because they really uh, really like what we do. So I, I like that, and then also um, just like the stories that we hear in the yeah. hug line, like just some amazing amazing stories um man i was gonna go into one but we're kind of running out of time (laughs) (laughs) taking really long with this well no i'll I'll give you one real quick just a guy come up to us and he was like you don't even know this he's like but you guys saved my life and he just went into uh talking about he was struggling with depression and anxiety and and it's not like you know we just magically helped him it was more about like through our perspective and through, um, yeah, our, our writings and podcasting, he was able to look at his life with a different lens and start to take some actions to help him get out of what he was in. And that's really, um, it's really what, you know, my goal is for us to do is like, let's offer people different lenses to look, uh, look through at things and you get to choose what lens you look at life through. Yeah. And he didn't realize that maybe that other perspective was even available before then. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I really appreciate by the people that I've stumbled into that give me a new perspective is, oh, yeah, I didn't even realize that was available to me at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to be able to see that. Absolutely. Let's All right, re- more about less. Let's read some more about less. This article is from Medium, and it is called The Calm Switch, subtitle, Keeping Calm When the World Seems to Bait You. And so I wanted to talk about this because we often get very annoyed by our surprises in the world, and then it leads to frustration, etc. And this is a, a stoic approach toward those frustrations. Every day we meet frustrations. Things often don't go our way. The news is bad. We get annoyed or sad that the world isn't bending to our will. We attempt to exert more control and our expectation that things will go well never diminishes. And yet we find ourselves time and time again with the same frustrations. How do we break this cycle? The first century Stoic philosopher Epictetus started from a simple question. What is out of our control? It's always a surprise to understand just how much is out of our ultimate control. The philosopher strips away all that isn't, quote, us until he's left with, quote, the will, the reasoning self under the skin. When we understand just how little is in our control, we can take solace in the fact that It is the way we take in the world that is in our full control. Let's pause on that for a moment. So, yes, things happen to us. Our reactions to those things vary dramatically from person to person. Mm -hmm. And just like with the uh, 
the green room example we were talking about earlier, you could see how my reaction would be, oh my God, I need to run out of here, right? Yeah. Whereas you, you're like, hey, this is starting to turn into a party. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that your reaction is right or even preferable necessarily. Mm. It's your reaction is your reaction. Yeah. And you, in a way, part of that is you're in your nature. Yeah. But I can also react that way. Hey, this is starting to turn into a party. And I can accept yeah. that for what it is. Mm -hmm. And I can be here for five minutes, 10 minutes, five hours if I want to be. Yeah. Or I can choose to walk away. I can also choose to be really frustrated by it, to be exacerbated mm. by it. Yeah. I can't believe this is turning into a freaking party. What? Why? Why would they do this to me? That's the story I'm telling myself all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm. All right. Return to text here. It's the self that takes in the world. All the impressions of what is going on around and within us. It's therefore the self that's in control of how we feel about it. While we are never fully in control of what happens to us, we are in control of how we respond. Quote, it's not events that disturb people, Epictetus taught. It is their judgments concerning them. We know this deep down, yet we often find ourselves getting frustrated, sad, or angry about things that we have no control over. Epictetus's solution to this problem is so influential that the ancient philosopher is a credited influencer on the development of modern cognitive behavioral therapy by its founder, Albert Ellis. So I'm sure you all have heard of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. There are no surviving writings of the first century philosopher. Every trace we have of his teachings were written down by his students. Having been instructed by Epictetus in the year 108, Arion entered the court of the emperor Hadrian and became a notable historian of Alexander the Great's conquest. So some of his students went on, they, they basically took his teachings, wrote them to the best of their ability, and then you know, even taught emperors later. But none of his actual writings, you, you can read the discourses by Epictetus. They weren't actually written by him. They were written by one of his students from his lectures, basically. Interesting. You know, what's fascinating about that is some of the people who are, I find to be most useful now in my own life I'm thinking of two in particular, Anthony DeMello and J. Krishnamurti mm. and even Osho to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. It's not their books weren't written by them. They're, really? They're all just talks of theirs that are transcribed. Oh, I didn't realize that. So if you listen to, say, Awareness by Anthony DeMello on audiobook, yeah. it's just the talk version of the book. Oh, wow. Him talking to a crowd over the course of like a week, basically. And so you hear people coughing in the background. Or you hear applause or laughter. And uh, and it's like listening to a, some sort of seminar because that's kind of what it was. And if someone refined it, transcribed it, put in the appropriate amount of M dashes, cut stuff out and turned it into a book. And all, I think all of DeMello's books are that way. He may have a few parable books that he actually wrote down, mm. but I think most of his stuff are, are just from talks that he, wow. that he gave. And Epictetus is similar here. Ep Epictetus spent much of his life as a slave. Most slaves in ancient Rome were dehumanized and robbed of their identity and dignity. The name Epictetus itself means property. His philosophy was perhaps developed with the practical need to keep sane in such an abject situation. 
He was lame, possibly a result of a beating, and literally had no hope of exerting any meaningful meaningful control over his destiny. Mm. So think about that. This reminds me of Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, when you know, he's in the concentration camps, and it's like, how do I even find this meaningful? And with Epictetus being a slave, he he's my favorite Stoic philosopher. When you, you can read Marcus Aurelius's stuff, and it has a similar sort of undertone to it, but Marcus Aurelius sort of had everything mm. and was writing from that perspective. And I can I get a lot out of it, but Epictetus had nothing and had a similar point of view. Yeah. Which in some ways seems even more difficult. Yeah. I could see that. Epictetus's understanding of the self is more restricted yet concentrated than the sense of the aver- of the self an average free person might hold. Many of us would consider our status or reputation part of our, quote, self. We may also feel the same way about our possessions, our clothes, vehicles, and houses as part of us. They are, after all, ours by law. But we often feel unempowered, that we lack control. What is us is at the mercy of forces outside our control. Epictetus, on the other hand, was at the total mercy of his master and never truly possessed anything. But his sense of self and the control he possessed is extraordinarily concentrated. Here's what he told his students. You can chain my leg, but not even Zeus can overcome my will. I'll throw you into prison. You mean my poor body? I'll have you beheaded. Why did I ever tell you that I'm the only man to have a neck that can't be severed? So mm. what's fascinating here is that he said, you can do whatever you want to me, but that's not going to do what you want to do to me yeah. in a way. Yeah. Because he does exert sort of will over that. Yeah. No, I love, uh, yeah, just this kind of helps me look at how I interpret things. And then when I have a negative reaction, mm-hmm. I get to decide whether or not to uh to exacerbate that negative reaction i can yeah i can take a minute and pause and be like wait a minute i do have a choice in how i react that's right yeah and so we'll put a link to this article in the show notes but it goes on to talk about intentions and what epictetus is quoted saying here when we are frustrated angry or unhappy never hold anyone except ourselves that is our judgments accountable. So mm-hmm. what he's saying is you are accountable for the way you feel. And you've heard me talk in the past, Ryan, about blame. The the willingness to not blame other people is a sort of a sign of maturity. There's like almost this inverse correlation between our desire to blame others mm-hmm. and our own maturity. Because when we realize that, yes, maybe someone did do something to me. And yes, they share the blame for that. And yes, we need to stop someone if they're acting violent and 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 c- stop them from committing violent acts, right? Yeah, yeah. Or we, we might need to block someone in our personal lives or even public lives who's doing something egregious toward us publicly, right? Yeah. But I don't have to blame them. And I think that's... Mm. That's the sign for maturity. And it's not yeah. even about blaming yourself either. Or blaming your society. Ooh, yeah. It's more about kind of accepting the situation for what it is. And yeah, it's recognizing that yeah. I am frustrated right now. Mm-hmm. And that is 
because I have told myself I want it to be. It's the Marlo Stanfield line from The Wire, right? Mm-hmm. You, you want it to be one way, but it's the other way. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and sometimes I'm frustrated because I thought some outcome would happen, and then this other outcome happened, or this other thing intervened or interjected, mm-hmm. and now I'm frustrated by it. Yeah. I don't have to be, though. Yeah. No, that's... I mean, that is, uh, it's easier said than done to like stop yourself in a moment and kind of have this line of thinking, but man, if you can, you know, instill this into your, into your life, like it, it does prevent so much suffering, I feel like. And it's not that, and again, like, it's not that, uh, it leads to happiness or content, but, but it does prevent less suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not about the pursuit of happiness here either. Mm -hmm. It's about, and it's not even about avoiding the suffering. No. It's about not holding on to it. Right. Because that's quite often what happens. Something bad, in quotes, happens to us. We tell ourselves a story, and now I'm upset. Mm-hmm. And I hold on to that upset because I start blaming other people. I start looking for other people to blame. I start looking for reasons it went so poorly. There's mm-hmm. an example in the article here. He writes, suppose you are seated at a restaurant table and it hasn't been cleaned. Minutes pass and the table still isn't clean. You visit the restaurant to have a good time, which isn't working out well. But you also visit the restaurant with the intention to exercise your reason. You can pl- completely ask the waiter to clean the table. If the waiter is rude and ignores you, you can leave. Suppose you don't want to or you're embarrassed to. You don't want to make a scene. Is it still worth getting upset? it's entirely your choice if you get upset because getting upset or not is the thing that is most fully within your control. And that's what the author here, his name's Steven, he calls it the calm switch. And the thing that makes us calm is realizing there's no thing to do. Well, here, all right, just breathe deeply. Okay, yes, that will calm you for a moment. But the thing that will actually extinguish that flame of upset Mm. is understanding that you're the one who set it on fire in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Brian, we got a bunch of surprise questions we'll get to in a moment, but I wanted to talk to you about, have there been any surprise purchases that have personally annoyed you in your life? Maybe, and, and, we talked about this on the minimal, so let's redefine surprise purchases here. We we got two categories. Maybe think of something from each here, Ryan. You got the one where it's like, oh, crap, my transmission went out. I got a flat tire, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other one where it's a surprise purchase where someone surprised you with something mm. that you didn't want. Now, there's also this third category, mm. and it's you bought something. And you thought it was going to bring you happiness, joy, whatever. And maybe it even did spark some pleasure for a period of time, mm. but then it turned into an annoyance. Like, I can't believe I bought this thing. Mm. And so do any of these resonate with you? Oh man. Uh, I mean, I probably got examples from all of those. Uh, the, <laughs> the, I had a surprise purchase when I, when I bought my condo in Ohio, my realtor, um, he basically forgot to put down into the contract <laughs> I <do remember> that. <laughs> that I get to keep all the appliances. <laughs> so the guy who sold me the house, uh, yeah, Jim Stark, that's his name. Don't ever hire him as a realtor. <laughs> I have no problem de-recommending him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he uh yeah he just doesn't pay he didn't pay close attention to detail didn't put it in the contract like hey ryan gets the house and the appliances that come with it the homeowner who was selling it to me saw it and was like oh i'm taking my refrigerator with me so then i get a call from from jim he's like hey man uh sorry i forgot to put it in the contract you're gonna need to buy a refrigerator i'm like no dude you're gonna need to buy a refrigerator and he was i mean we just went back and forth but you know long story short i had to end up eating another you know, hundreds of dollars yeah. because of this surprise because of negligence. So yeah, I mean, there's always those things, right, man? Um, the, uh, yeah, the flat tire thing. So we, Mariah and I, uh, we got a new car, a couple of, well, it was new to us. It was, had 80,000 miles on it. It was a raw four, uh, but it, it had a, something go wrong with the tire. And this is just like six, seven months ago. And you can't replace just one tire. Like the belt started to like it started to split apart, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't safe to drive. So yeah, it's like all of a sudden, surprise! You got to buy new tires, even though like we haven't had this, you know, we haven't driven thirty thousand miles on those wheels. I don't know how long tires are supposed to last, but but it was just one of those things where yeah, surprise! You're gonna have to eat this cost. But thank goodness, you know, for the emergency fund and for planning for these surprise purchases. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it wasn't like the end of the world. Um, yeah, what about you, man? Talk to me about something that somebody gave you that uh, that was a, a surprise and was an annoyance. Often people give us stuff on the road, and <laughs> and there, there are things that I would actually appreciate if we weren't on the road, like traveling, and like we have to now carry this with us, mm. right? Yeah. Now, obviously, there are a few things I can't accept on the road. It's like home baked goods and stuff because I don't know what kind of LSD you put in this. <laughs> um, and it's all it takes is one person to ruin it for everyone. They could poison yeah. me or whatever, right? Sure. Um, but I, there was actually on this past wave, there's this gal, Hetty. She um, gave us those hun- honey oh, bears. Yeah, that was right? amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that was great. And yeah. now I even have like a little travel honey because I always bring honey with me when I'm on the road, honey and ghee, uh, in case I need to get some calories while we're on the road and there's not something I can eat. Uh, I'll just mix some honey and some ghee and I can quickly get 500 calories and, and not be um, you know, really, really hungry or, or not feel depleted energetically. And so uh, that, was, that was a wonderful surprise. Yeah. But a lot of the times people will send us stuff and it almost feels the opposite of minimalism in a way. Like mm. there wasn't a whole lot of intention. Yeah. Was, and I think quite often what we do is we hold up a mirror and we say, I get value from this. So I think someone else will. Mm. And I, I'm the biggest culprit of this in the past when I would buy gifts for people, when I, especially when I was in my early twenties, mm. what are the things I would get value from? I will just give that to, to them. Mm, right not realizing like oh maybe they don't see this as value they see it as a burden Mm. i had quite a few surprise purchases in the sense that um well my first spouse used to buy a lot of like um like purses and and clothes and and things that we didn't have the money for at the time. Mm. I remember that. Mm. And so I was surprised when I would get the credit card bill. Oh, wow. Or the bank statement. And, you know, with Bex and I, we have a, a better understanding. If we're going to bring something into the house now, mm-hmm. then we just both agree on it, right? Yeah. And it's not that we keep an account or an inventory of each other's purchases. Oh, mm. when did you buy that? But 
I think part of this stems from an inadequacy. And I think the reason that we buy certain things and surprise people with these things is we feel as though we are not enough. I'm not mm. enough for you, so I need to give you something yeah. to augment me. I am incomplete, so I'm showing up incomplete. Maybe this will help get me closer to complete in your eyes. Mm. But if you recognize that you are already enough, I don't need more than you. Your presence, your love, your acceptance, that's more than enough for me. Yeah. Oh man, I think I, I don't know if I talked on the minimal or max, one of the minimal or maximal episodes, but, uh, my mom got me that, um, the bidet yeah, that go, like you hook onto a toilet and she get, I was in Ohio when she gave it to me and I'm like, there's no way I'm <laughs> going to find a way to bring this on the plane and bring it back. And, uh, but, but you know, because her and I have such a good relationship now. Like she totally understood. In fact, even when she handed it to me, she was like, I don't know if this is something you, you'll use or not, but I know, I know you'll find a good home for it. If not. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did. I gave it to my friend and it wasn't an annoyance as much as it was like, ah, uh, maybe it was a little, it annoying. was a vague annoyance. Yeah. But it wasn't anything I couldn't work through. And just like I said, at the beginning of this episode, you could love someone, you could like someone, you could have a great relationship with them and they might do something that annoys you. Yes. That's humanity. But as Epictetus just taught us, it's you annoying yourself, really. Right, yeah. And so anytime I'm annoyed by Ella's toys or whatever... You just throw them out. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> uh, oh, no, no, man. Of course you don't do that. Well, no, but I, there have been times where I've told her, hey, I've asked you to clean this up twice already. If you don't have it cleaned up by it, within the next hour, then I'm going to get rid of these toys for oh, you. Oh, yeah. But that's setting up a boundary, right? Like, hey, you can't leave Legos all over the the living room floor. Yeah, and right. and it's not. It's also not doing it in a mean or um, punitive way. Mm-hmm. It's simple letting her know, like, hey, you've overstepped a boundary. I need to put the boundary back in place here for you because this is a shared space, and we don't really enjoy stubbing our toes on your miscellaneous. Yeah, but um. I'll tell you, a lot of the annoyances have to do, especially when you have kids, have to do with what other people give your kids or try to give your kids. Yeah. Because we are in a culture that is so obsessed with gift giving Mm -hmm. because we think that's how we can show our love. Mm. That's not how we show our love. That's how we show our preferences, right? It's It's how we show that we feel inadequate or empty. And so I need to show you that I need to show up with something. Mm. And whether it's Christmas, a holiday, a dinner party, whatever it is, Elle already has everything she needs, Mm. right? Yeah. And if she really wants something, she's interested in it, I'll be interested in it too for her, right? But in the meantime, I'm not going to shove my interests down her throat. (laughs) It's not very loving. Amen. Oh, man. So what about something, a purchase you bought, that other category that you mentioned that you bought that became an annoyance? I'm trying to think of something. I haven't. I have so many. Okay, (laughs) go for it. So many. Every car I've ever purchased until my current one. Mm. Um, And here's why. I'd buy a car and they're in in a weird way. It's like a pseudo impulse purchase, right? Mm -hmm. 
even though you know you have to go get a new car, you want to get a new car, you're thinking about getting a new car, mm -hmm. by the time you're on the lot, like if you're not adept at negotiating with sales, now eventually I was, but early on, it's yeah. just like, okay, I'll buy the car and I'll do the things you tell me to do. No, you're going to get ripped off by it, right? Yeah. And so now all of a sudden you get home and you got the car and, but then you realize like, oh no, I have to pay for this for the next five years. Or I think now the average car loan's 83 months, Good Lord. which is what, over seven yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and so you, you realize, wait a minute, I've, I've been annoyed because I just screwed my future self for a momentary pleasure. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to get this thing, but now I'm burdened by this for the next five, six, seven years. Mm -hmm. Or even if I paid cash for the thing, but now I've depleted my savings or my checking account to buy a new appliance or to buy, you know, uh, something for my wardrobe or buy a new suit or whatever it is. And I never stopped to consider is, okay, maybe, maybe I do want to buy this thing and maybe it will add value to my life, but our resources are finite. So is this the best use of this money? Mm. If I'm going to spend a thousand dollars on a suit, okay, but do I need four of them? Yeah. Do I, I mean, I had 12 suits back in the day. Did I need 12 suits? No, of course not. Did I need 70 Brooks brothers dress shirts? Well, why? If I don't want to do laundry for two months, how silly is that? Yeah. And so these things individually, Ryan, buying one dress shirt, not an annoyance, but buying multiple dress shirts over a period of time and then walking into the closet and sort of throwing my hands up and saying, what have I done? Mm -hmm. Now I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed by these tiny indiscretions. Mm. Any individual one you know, any individual stroll doesn't break the camel's back. Yeah. But my back was broken by the end of my consumerist days. Here's another one I was really annoyed by. I didn't realize it until years later, Ryan. Hmm. I remember when you used to go to my basement back in those corporate days and we would play ping pong down there. Yes. I had all these. It was a mausoleum. It was a mausoleum <laughs> of stuff. And we had, because I went and bought, before the container store, you would just go to like Walmart or any of those other places and buy these clutter coffins. Mm. We call them storage bins, but let's call them what they really are. In fact, yeah. I want to do a whole episode with you in the future about clutter coffins yeah. because the whole storage industry, the organization industry are the same thing. Mm. And so I annoyed myself because I thought I had my stuff together mm -hmm. because I was so organized then I, all I was really do, was doing was hiding the burdens for a later date. Something my future self was going to have to deal with. I thought I was dealing with it right now because, look, I've put this in a box. It's all neat and tidy. I've alphabetized my old T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> and Out of sight, out of mind. And yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's out of sight and it's out of mind, except it's not really out of mind because you know it's back there in the back of my I'm going to have to deal with this someday. Yeah. And when we move... Now, all of a sudden, I threw my back out literally because of how many books I own. Mm. And uh, I was you know, trying to, you know, when you hold one book, mm -hmm. not very heavy, you fill up a giant tub full of books. Mm -hmm. It's the heaviest thing in the world. Yeah. And you pick it up. And all of a sudden, I threw my back out when we were moving my stuff. And mm. I realized like, oh, individually, these things aren't a burden. But collectively, 
they are the biggest burden. So we have to be careful about the things that we bring in. We have to be careful about the things that we hold on to because holding on to those things mm. means I'm burdening my future self. And that creates an annoyance now, but it, it might create a lot more pain in the future. Yeah. Man, the thing that comes to mind for me, the biggest annoying purchase I made was my condo in Ohio. Like that, what it was an impulse. I, my lease was up on my apartment. I'm like, man, you know, I had that mindset of why am I spending all this money for rent when I could be paying towards a piece of property? And yes, it was, uh, it was in 2009. So it was after the the crash. So like, you know, prices were as low as they'll ever be. Wink, wink. Yeah. Right. So like I had this, um, I just had the wrong attitude going into it. And, um, the realtor that I had, uh, it was my, uh, at the time it was my girlfriend's stepfather. Mm-hmm. So like it was my own fault for putting all my trust into like, oh, he's going to take care of me and I'm going to get a g-. So, you know, I, uh, yeah, I had a lot of unexpected expenses and like just home ownership in general. There's a whole, whole uh, backpack full of responsibilities that you put on your back. Yeah, and it could be a total blessing for some people. It could yeah. be a burden for others. And so when, I, yeah. I think that's true with any of these things mm-hmm. we bring in. Any of these things, that's why I use the term surprise purchase because sometimes surprise can be a wonderful mm-hmm. blessing. In fact, we often think about surprise. Oh, what a blessing. Good mm-hmm. times. I feel mm-hmm. nice. I feel pleasure. I feel joy. I feel excitement. But the flip side of that is the valley Yep. where, oh... I didn't realize the true cost of this, the true burden of bringing this into my life. Yeah. The burden of, of buying the condo and the HOA fees. And yeah. you don't think about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I just was under the impression. <clears throat> and again, this is my own fault for having the wrong expectation and for not digging in deep enough and for not being intentional. But I had this expectation that you buy a piece of property and it's going to be a good decision no matter what because it's going to increase in value especially what i was being told with oh these are the you know as low as the housing prices are going to get like it was again it was right after that 2008 crash and um it was a very powerful and expensive lesson for me when i sold that thing um you know 5 years later yeah it was uh yeah it was a lesson i will always carry with me right and at least you you're able to take that lesson out of it right mm-hmm. because Here's the thing. Let's say that that statement was true, Ryan. Let's say that, yes, indeed, the house price, no matter what, it was your house is definitely going to appreciate mm-hmm. no matter what. And this is the best time to buy a house financially. Mm-hmm. That still discounts all the other potential burdens of buying that home, right? Mm, yeah. Now, I'm less mobile. If I want to move right away, I have to figure out how to sell the house, right? I have to pay the HOA fees. I have to pay more because you you had more square footage than you use. So you have to pay to heat that space yeah. and the giant 20-foot ceilings you have to pay for. And the third bedroom you're heating, even though you never use it, right? Yeah. The loft space, the second living room you're paying to air condition in the summer. Mm. And we don't think about these things, right? And not to mention... Just what if, what if I'm so burdened by this mm-hmm. that it's causing anxiety in my life? What yeah. if it's causing stress? Mm. What if, what if that is what is preventing me from being free? So maybe it was a great financial decision, but maybe it was a terrible decision for you overall. Yeah. Just because something is a great financial decision doesn't mean that it's a great life decision. It's a great point. 
Let's move on to some surprise questions here. Malabama, we have, let's move on to Sarah's second question there. My husband and I have always had a rule. We don't buy anything without telling the other. Some argue that's silly, but we were a young couple that already had children when we got married and didn't make a lot. Money problems can break a relationship real quick. Mm, Yeah, I think there's two things that ruin a relationship very quickly. Money problems, sex problems, right? There are others as well. We've been going around the country doing this tour, and I've been reading this section, and I talk about all the problems in this couple's relationship that we interviewed for the book, For Love People Use Things. And we had this couple in Minneapolis. They had all these money troubles, but that was sort of the top layer covering this entire labyrinth of deeper troubles in their relationship. Sex life was non-existent, although when they first met, they were like rabbits, right? <laughs> and then over a decade later, it was like, oh, I'm kind of repulsed even thinking about it. That's not mm. a place you want to be in a relationship. Yeah. You want love, you want like, and you want lust if you want your relationship to thrive. If you have all three of those components, right? Well, one of the ways to sort of destroy all three of those money problems, not being on the same page with respect to money. Mm. Now, the best way is to be reading from the same book. We talked about this during the minimal episode this week, but what I, what do I mean by that? Having partnering up with someone, if you're going to be in a partnership with someone, a business partnership, a romantic relationship, even a really close friendship, Mm -hmm. I think it makes sense to have similar values, especially foundational values and the structural values. You can Mm -hmm. download our free values worksheet, by the way, theminimalists.com slash V as in values. There's an essay there called How to Understand Your Values. We talk about the four different types of values, including the imaginary values. And that's what I want to talk to Sarah about today, Ryan. I want to talk to Sarah about quite often where we run into trouble with our significant other is because we value different things or more important, we think we value different things. Mm. And so we think we certain things are going to be really important to us. If I just have that $3,000 tag hewer wristwatch, then I'm going to be happier, more complete, Right. Nothing wrong with owning that wristwatch, but if you're making that purchase and forsaking the needs of the family or the needs of the relationship or the needs of your household, or maybe you're not paying rent, our good friend Andy Davis has that great line in his song, Good Life, Mm -hmm. we struggle to pay rent because jeans are expensive. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Well, it means we misprioritize we say our jeans are valuable to us. And yeah, I, I'm wearing blue jeans or black jeans right now, <laughs> right? But I don't spend you know $1,200 on Balmain jeans either mm. because, well, A, because I don't need to, but B, because that's not a real value of mine. Even if I really thought that those looked great on me, it'd be a, I don't value those the same way I value having financial freedom, yeah. having savings, you know, a, an emergency fund, investing in my retirement. These are things that I value more than the sort of surface level things. And even if fashion is a surface value for you, you don't want to forsake your deeper values, your foundational values, your structural values, just to maintain the surface. The analogy that I often use has to do with painting a house. Mm -hmm. 
great. You want to paint a house, beautify your house, make your house look beautiful. If it's infested by termites, mm-hmm. painting the house isn't going to fix the structural damage that is being done right now. Yeah, And so we have to address the structural damage first. Now, how do we do that with a partner? Well, I know, Ryan, I've set up some, well, not I, Bex and I have set up in our own relationship some ground rules that help us with our own spending. One mm-hmm. is we don't bring anything into the house that we don't both agree on. Mm. Bex isn't going to go out and buy a brand new dresser or end table or a coffee table, and neither am I, a new set of chairs, without discussing it together first. In fact, just this week, Ryan, we uh, over Christmas, we, um, we have these two water bottles. I have a water bottle. She has a water bottle. We use it in the sauna. We use it when we're traveling. There were these Nalgene water bottles. And we brought them. We went to Palm Springs for Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. So we have some something to drink in the car. Well, at the last minute, she accidentally left them in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. We called, tried to find them. We've had these for years. They, um, they couldn't find them. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. gone. And so at first, uh, we're talking about even with something as trivial as seemingly benign as water bottles Mm -hmm. we make sure we are on the same page because we want to make this purchase once intentionally and i'll even spend a little bit more to get the one that i need so i don't ever have to make this purchase again unless we leave them somewhere again Mm -hmm. which i don't plan on doing and so what we have done we still haven't even bought the water bottles because it was like okay we can replace them with the same exact bottles in fact she sent me a few pictures hey what about this one and at first i even felt annoyed because she sent me one. I'm like, doesn't she know my taste better than that? Because <laughs> what do you say, Ryan? You always say like, well, we all want to be understood. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I want you to understand me. Mm-hmm. And I, at that moment, I felt so misunderstood because she sent me this Nalgene bottle, but it had a blue top on it. Mm. Who the hell wants a bright blue top on their water bottle? God, you're making <laughs> oh me feel goodness, terrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And And... She knows even aesthetically, like mm. this isn't her top choice either, but it's all like, oh, I could find right now. And but she she knows that like we're sending these back and forth because until we both agree on something, we're not gonna bring this into our home. And if we do that for something as simple as a couple water bottles, we're both satisfied with the purchase at the mm. end of the day. Mm. And we're also not worried about bringing in something that's going to be offensive to the other person. Now, what does that mean? That means sometimes we go without for a period of time. Mm. Unfortunately, in our culture, we've told ourselves it's not okay to go without. Mm. Going without means you're depriving yourself. Okay. Maybe you are tempor- temporarily depriving yourself, but that temporary deprivation is like fasting. You do that for a period of time instead of bringing the junk into your life. Instead of consuming the junk, I would rather fast so I can be deliberate. I can be intentional with whatever we do bring into our home. Mm. And then once I have it, I'm not worried about it. And so we're still looking for the ideal water <laughs> bottle for us. Not the perfect water bottle, but oh, the question man. is, what is the one water bottle I'm going to buy that I don't have to think about yeah. for the next 5, 10, 15 years? Mm. And mm. If, I, if I can figure that out, then I'm no longer worried about well, you know, I bought it, but I don't know if it's that good. I'm kind of annoyed by this purchase. Now I've had it for a year. I I want something that's better than this. I want something that is more streamlined. I need something with Bluetooth technology in it, right? Voice-activated water bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Coming to a uh, one-click purchase store near you. 
Oh, that's great, man. I love I had a black clean canteen coffee mug that um I really liked. It was it looked good, um, matched my outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and I left it behind at this at uh somewhere in I don't know, somewhere in Malibu and wasn't able to get it back. So I tried to find a black can- clean canteen and I couldn't. And I just got I just whatever was available, like the generic silver with the black top. But I, but you know, for me though, um, it doesn't like, like I've never looked at that silver one and been like, God, I wish I had that black one. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I'm able to, I don't know, kind of move past it. But hey, what I love about what you're talking about with you and Bex and what Sarah's talking about here is how you're able to set up these boundaries together. Like that is really what helps a relationship thrive. Yeah. Is instead of like, being reactionary and, you know, letting something get out of hand. It's like you kind of get ahead of it and say, hey, what's our boundary when it comes to this thing? Now, sometimes something will happen and then you realize like, oh, wow, we really should set a boundary around this, which is fine. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just admire, I just admire the fact, I, I admire the fact that Mariah and I are able to do that. I mean, I can't even tell you the relationships I used to be in, man. It was like, it was one way or the highway and most of it had to do with me. Like it was me basically saying, "Hey, this is how I want it to be, and if it isn't this way, then I'm going to be a jerk." Um, but also, I had you know partners. You know the partners that I used to have, where uh, they would, yeah, it was either their way or not the highway. It was either their way or uh, they make my life miserable. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I remember one where that was explicitly stated to you. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty uh, much. And and so I think here's the here's the key to all of this, whether it's for Sarah or anyone who's listening to this. If you get to the point where you're hiding purchases from one, one another, or you're just hiding shame from one another, then that is, it's harming your relationship. Mm-hmm. And you, you can talk to someone else now, if they're judging your purchases and saying, I don't want you to have that, you shouldn't have any independence, or that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is a willingness to be open with your partner, to be truthful about your own desires. Where do your desires come from? Having them understand your desires, you understanding their desires, and doing so together. Because if you are sharing resources, that also means you need to be intentional together. You can't go off spending resources separately if you are also sharing your resources. Mm. That's like if you're all putting, uh, if you're giving to the us bucket in the middle of that relationship, but you're constantly taking from it secretly, mm-hmm. it's, of course that's going to cause discontent in the relationship. Yeah. You know, we were, uh, we we put out a call here to a lot of our um, patrons and, and other folks on social media about things that have annoyed them. And I thought what was interesting here, Andrew said that three days before his wedding, he found out, uh, or before a wedding, not his wedding, he was going to, he found out meals at the reception would be $110 per person. And that's a weird sort of surprise, right? So like a hey, wedding, welcome you're to going, our wedding. Yeah, it's like paying yeah. a, you know, a cover fee to get into the wedding. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I understand it, but what what the lesson of this any of these surprises is having some sort of clear understanding of what you're getting into yeah. don't spring that on anyone whether it's buying a watch 
or it is buying a new sofa, or it's asking someone to come to your wedding and then sort of charging them at the last minute, or even worse, like if you go to an activity together mm-hmm. and then you know the next day you get like a Venmo request. Mm. Hey, you remember that uh, sandwich we split? Uh, I'm sending you a Venmo request for three dollars, mm. please. Yeah. Oh man, it re- makes me think about um, Mariah had gone out with a friend, and it was a big group of girls, and. Uh, this girl covered the whole meal or whatever. And like Mariah had tried to pay, but they were like, no, I got it. Don't worry about it. And then the next day she sends Mariah a Venmo request for like 50 bucks. <laughs> oh, wow. So she wanted the, the virtue signal. Of, <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and, then she, and Mariah was like, I only, cause they were all drinking. Mariah doesn't drink cause yeah. of her stomach problems. So like Mariah only got, you know, maybe 10 bucks, 20 bucks or something. That's and, unbelievable. And man. it was funny because I'm and right, she's like, "What do I do?" And I'm like, "You know, you could have this confrontation. Is it worth the twenty dollars or the thirty dollars to have this confrontation?" Yeah, I'd pay fifty dollars to get rid of that friend. Exactly. So that's basically mm-hmm. what she did. She <laughs> said the fifty bucks, and I was like, "Just don't ever talk to her again." Like it's fine. It was, yeah, it was really, it was really shady. But dude, this is cr- I. I think I don't know, man. Peace me would just be like, you know what? I guess we're not going to come to your, w- or I wouldn't eat at the wedding. Maybe that's would be it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'll just I, bring a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought where I packed my own dinner. Oh, that'd be so good if like Andrew showed up with a happy meal <laughs> during the reception. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there were all these other annoyances people brought up as well. Like uh, Sarah said, I have a few items of clothing that were surprise purchases. I do try to resell anything I don't want on eBay or Macari, but sometimes it's a slow process. Yeah. Now, so I think, yes, a surprise purchase in the sense that like it was an impulse purchase, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I really thought that dress looked great on that mannequin, therefore it will look great on me. Uh, Megan said, any present that someone gives me that is decor related is likely going to be an unwelcome surprise. Ooh, amen. I oh. agree with that. And I, I have one exception that proves this rule. Mm. So uh, our publisher, although they didn't really surprise, this is interesting. Our our publisher, Celadon, they um, they gave us this like little piece of uh, pottery uh, artwork. Oh, yeah. And it had the little Celadon logo. And it's in Celadon green is even the color that it is. They they had a local artist, I think, in, in New yeah. York City who worked on, on this. And But even beforehand, they're like, hey, we usually give this to any of our authors, but I don't know if you guys would, or you're the minimalist, you really right. want it? And I'm like, sure, it's a piece of art. And it seems really yeah. intentional and beautiful. Yeah. And so it's the one thing that someone has given me where I actually still display it. Yeah. And that's great but most of the time if you get me something it it's essentially giving me clutter yeah it is a um man it's just it's a risky gift like i would never give you a p unless i was like 100 percent positive like oh he's gonna use this like you gave you gave me a picture of me and mariah and uh i just framed that photograph it's great yeah frame photographs and that's great like i, t- I totally frame that it's a beautiful picture it's yeah, it's funny it's it's good um but yeah i've had like I've had people who give me a box of decorations, like, yeah, uh, v- vases and um, <laughs> little cups and like little, I don't know, my my mom does this a lot. And sometimes like it's great, but like, yeah, the vast majority of the time I'm like, mom, I love you, but 
I'm going to have to find these a better home. Yeah. Or like when my grandma tried to give me that paperweight. Yeah. Just gifting someone a piece of uh, home decor is always going to be a risky move. For I, lo- sure. I love the paperweight because it's literal. She tried to give you paperweight, <laughs> but it's also like a metaphor for any unwanted. We That's what the metaphor we use. We call it, oh, well, it's just a paperweight now. Right. And what, what that means is it's essentially useless. Right. Its best use is to hold down papers. Mm. One other thing here, um, Holly brings up a great point. She said online auctions can quickly turn into surprise purchases. And what she means here is that you get caught up in the moment. Mm. You see something that is on eBay or if you go to a real auction and you're like, oh, I really want to buy that you know, set of baseball cards or Pokemon cards, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And it's $100 for this set, right? That's the starting bid. But then someone else bids 110 someone else bids 120 and now you're caught up in it. Well, I've already, it's, I've, I've already committed, so I should go 130 at least. Mm-hmm. Right? It's only $30 more. No, it's not. It's $130 more at this point. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the, the bidding's up to 250 and you're like, oh, should I do... 260 it's only 10 more dollars no it's 260 more dollars than the zero that you've spent right now mm-hmm. and it's hard to walk away in those moments because we get so caught up in the excitement yeah. we get caught up in the moment we get caught up in the impulse and what are we afraid of most as humans we are afraid of loss and in that moment there's this perceived loss if i don't bid on this car right now on this t-shirt right now on this dress right now i really want those coffee mugs that i saw on ebay or what about that piece of pottery what about the paperweight i want to buy it's only x dollars and now all of a sudden i'm committed to it because the fear of living without even though i've lived without it forever mm-hmm. i don't own it right now The fear of not having it at this point is so great Mm. that I'm willing to spend irrationally to get something that I never even had in the first place. Let's finish up with Kristen's question here, Alabama. My husband made a big donation to his fraternity 16 years after undergrad, only to break the news to me moments before I went in for a painful medical procedure. Well, that just sounds like bad communication. <laughs> and terrible timing. <laughs> terrible yes. timing, bad communication. It's a I great mean, joke. Yeah. Like you would see this on like the office or something. Right. Like, hey, by the way, I uh, gave 10 grand to my ex fraternity. Good luck on your surgery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's something Michael Scott would do. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, you know, um, I don't know, man. I think, I think with uh, Kristen here, if you're in a romantic relationship, like there, there is a, a level uh, or a certain set of boundaries that you have to agree on. And, you know, it just sounds like it was maybe bad planning and bad communication. It doesn't mean that, you know, Kristen's right and her husband's wrong or or anything like that. It just means that there has to be a little bit better interaction going on between the the two of them. Yeah. Kristen, well, there doesn't have to be anything, but yeah. yeah. Your, your husband was inconsiderate in two ways. One had to do with he didn't talk to you about this donation beforehand this is something if it's if it's something that's a large purchase or a large output of money mm-hmm. talking to your significant other bare minimum mm-hmm. right because you want to be on the same page yeah and, and and let's say you get great joy out of doing this don't you want to share that joy with your spouse yeah and so 
you're inconsiderate because you're also not sharing your joy with your spouse beforehand because you can plan it together. You can budget it together Mm. and you can both make a convicted decision to do this together. How wonderful is that? The second way you were inconsiderate is you didn't think about the timing. Mm. We get so wrapped up in our own heads. It's, hey, I'm just doing this thing. I'm going to go ahead and tell you real quick. In fact, he may have been trying to brush it under the rug since you're going through a stressful situation right now. We're not going to have time to argue about this. It's just, it's totally inconsiderate. And so yeah. being compassionate involves timing as well. Because sometimes if you show up and you just want to fix someone's problems, that's not compassionate. Maybe they just need someone to listen to in that moment. And so the time dictates simply listening. But if someone's going through a procedure like this, it just dictates being there with them and certainly not bombarding them with purchases or even with new information right now. I wouldn't even try to have this conversation, let alone bombard them, blindside them Mm -hmm. with this family decision to make a financial commitment to an institution. Of course, your wife's going to be upset about this. And she's going to be doubly upset because she's already upset about this other thing, which tints whatever other experience you're talking about about right now. Even if this is something that she was going to be, that Kristen was going to be excited about. Yeah. If you approach it at the wrong time, it doesn't give her the room, the space to feel that same joy that you would otherwise experience during normal times under regular communication. Mm. Ryan, I think we should end this episode today with a little Bill Murray by our good friend Matt Nathanson. Yeah. Enjoy the song. It is stunning. And uh, the true fans, VIPs, enjoy the event we did with them. We'll put that out in the not-too-distant future. But no matter what level of support you give us, we're so grateful for you, patrons. Not only do you keep the lights on, but um, you keep Jordan and Sean and Danny and Emma and Alabama and Jessica and the rest of our team supported as well. And you keep the podcast advertisement free. Heck yeah. Thank you so much, patrons. Love people. Use things. We'll see you soon. I fell asleep. Had a dream. Bill Murray and I were friends. Drove the world from Boston to Japan Blasting old Van Halen And one night over drinks Bill started crying He said to me, kid Of all the stupid things I ever did You know I let go when I should have pulled her in And he handed me his cell phone When I called, you were on a plane Moving back to Portland for the rain I won't only love you when you're winning Other fools pretend to understand Come on, take my hand, we'll go down swinging Let me be your man Let me be your man